You're listening to a sermon from Providence Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information about our church, please visit church-kc.com or come and visit on a Sunday morning. Sunday School for All Ages starts at 9 a.m. and our worship begins at 1015. Thanks for listening. I am the pastor who's focus is youth ministry, but I get the wonderful opportunity today to preach. Um, And this day is really months in the making. It it was January or February in which Pastor Walter said, you know, Easter's coming up, and Easter's a lot of work for a senior pastor, and I'd love to take a break immediately following that. Uh, And he was like, but I know you have a baby coming, so we're not going to schedule you for the week after Easter. And then constantly I was like, oh, Walter, it doesn't matter. Please, just let me preach. I love preaching. Let me get in there. Uh, And then, so he scheduled me. And then, of course, as it works out, a baby is a lot of work. Walter is very aware of that. I, not having a kid at that point, was not aware of how much work a baby is. And so he reached out to me very soon after little Judah was born. And he said, yeah, you're not going to preach this Sunday. (laughs) I said, And I say thank you. (laughs) And now I'm here today. So, not only have I been preparing this sermon since, like, January, um, and it's about memory. We're testing my memory with how long it's been on my mind. And if I remember, I did it correctly that time. I'm going to look at Amy every time because she's going to give me a thumbs up if I said remember or remember. Uh, All the things I want to share with you today. But I digress. People have a terrible memory. In fact... Uh, I was reading a study that somebody did on sermon retention. And before those eyes glaze over, because I just said the word sermon retention within the first five minutes of a sermon, the study is very important. Uh, It's because it fits this sermon so well. And uh, because it fits so well with this sermon, I forgot who did the study. So just trust me on this, okay? Thank you. Um... So this study showed, you know, there's a sermon at a church every Sunday. That's why we're here. We meet on Sunday to hear a sermon. Uh, And this study showed that by Monday, most congregants, that's you guys out here listening to the sermon right now, remember just 44% of the sermon. And so being um, conservative with how long a sermon usually goes, let's say 35 minutes, if you remember 44% of the sermon, that's like 35 minutes. You, that's like 15 and a half minutes. Not terrible, you know. You, you're just sitting here listening to almost a lecture, kind of. Uh, so 15 and a half minutes by tomorrow evening. But let's go even farther. Let's look at Wednesday night. Same sermon, same Sunday, Wednesday. That's, those same congregants remember, thumbs down, uh, just 6% of that sermon. So we go from 15 and a half minutes on Monday evening to uh, 2.1 minutes uh, by Wednesday, which I have for sure already been talking for. So uh, if I were to ask you on Wednesday what you remember, it'll be the fact that I can't say the word remember um, and that people forget sermons. Good luck. So, and this happens every Sunday across the globe forever. People just don't retain the information they learn. And so what hope is there for us? How can we hope to remember what we learn and grow on it 
and apply it to our lives when we come to church? Well, thankfully, there are several things that we have to do to remind you. That's one of the primary goals of preaching each week, uh, is to remind you week in and week out what the Bible says and how you should live it out. That's also why we have Sunday school classes for you to come to, and we have wonderful Sunday school teachers who prepare each week to teach you what the Bible says. And that's why we have midweek Bible studies, either through youth group and Awana, or we've got women's studies and adult men's studies who meet just to share with each other what the Bible says. And that's why it's very important that everybody in here is in some sort of discipleship relationship. If that's one-in-one, if that's a group that you meet as just to discuss what the Bible is. But so that way, the Bible is so much more than just what Sunday is. And that's so that way you take what you learn today and you apply it to your life. That's why whenever I preach, I try to make sure my sermon has a, a pretty good structure so that way when you think about it, you can go through the structure as the week goes on and kind of remember the things that are taught. And that's why, uh, hint, hint, poke, poke, listen to the next sentence, it's really good that everybody in here takes notes while the sermon's written. That's why we give you that nice little handout in your bulletin that you can write your, your notes on, or if you're like me, I take notes on my iPad, so that way they can come with me wherever I'm at, and I can access them on the fancy thing called the cloud. That's all to help you retain what the Bible says. And so if you ever get upset that um, Walter, Stephen, or I, uh, your Sunday school teachers, sound like we're just repeating ourselves just constantly, it's only because it's our nice, loving, gentle reminder to you that this is what the Bible says, that this is important, and that it needs to be lived out every day. So now, Hopefully you've had more than enough time to get to 2 Peter 1, 12 through 15. And in this, Peter has much to say about remembering things. He has three essential reminders for us today of how to remember, okay? Three essential reminders for the Christian life. And those are to remember what we know, what we do, and the thirdly is to remember after we're gone. And we're going to clarify what those mean, but we can't clarify that without reading our scripture. So, will you read along with me as I read 1 Peter, or 2 Peter chapter 1, 12 through 15. Therefore, I always intend to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for bringing everybody here today. I pray that through the reading of your word and the preaching of this sermon that you are glorified that all attention is brought to your name, and you help bring to our minds these, these qualities, this, this attitude of worship towards you that Peter is talking about here. We pray that you are glorified, that your name is magnified through the preaching of the word. In your name we pray. Amen.
Okay. So once again, Peter reminds us so that we remember what we know, that we remember what we do, and that we remember after we're gone. Our first point today, our first essential truth, is that Peter reminds us so that we can remember what we know. This comes from verse 12 in the text. Let's read it again, just so it's very fresh in our mind. Therefore, I always intend to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Peter clearly states that his audience members know the truth that he is writing to them about. They already know the truth that Peter has just said to them in the first 11 verses of this chapter and the things that he's going to continue saying to them in the rest of chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3. And in the same way, I hope that my words today are not new knowledge to you. I hope that what I remind you of today is, a, is just a reminder. It's knowledge that you previously had um, and that you continue to walk in. Although, if they are new knowledge, I hope they come as an encouragement to you in your walk of faith. So, I always intend to remind you of the things you know. What could Peter mean? If they know these things, why do they need to be reminded of them? It's much like many of us uh, know what constitutes a healthy meal, right? You got veggies, you got fruit, you got some sort of protein, you got a little bit of fat, much less sugar than any of us ever eat. That's all what constitutes a healthy meal. It's also how some of us know how to be in shape. Some of us really know how to exercise, how to, how to run a mile. We know what it is to run a mile. But knowing and doing are two different things. Knowing what it means to be fit, knowing that I used to run cross-country in high school and I used to be a very active swimmer, does not mean that I still weigh the 140 pounds that I did when I was a freshman in high school. What this reminder is, is Peter is reminding you of what you once knew and what you may have forgotten. Or if you have not forgotten, then just enforcing the truth that you know. So at this point, I'd like to point out that Peter says he always intends to remind them. It's constantly. It's over and over. It's almost ad nauseum. It's like, I kind of want you to be sick of how often I say these things. I want you to just know it in your core that these essential truths are things that you must know and live by. And he also says, I always intend you to remind you of these qualities that you know. These qualities are what Peter has mentioned previously in verses 3 through 11. And let's, let's read what that says now. Just look a little further up in your Bible. He says in verse 3, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called to us his glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, here are the qualities... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, 
virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, to be clear, the qualities Peter intends to remind us of are faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. These are qualities that every Christian must know and must live. God's power has called you to new life, and the new life you receive through the gospel has been done through the power of God alone. But your faith shouldn't stagnate there. This is why Peter says, add on to, supplement your faith with these several qualities. Now, in preparation for this message about a month and a half ago, two months ago now, I, sp- I got to speak this at a chapel sermon that I did. And so that row right there of refined KC people, they probably, some of this is very familiar to them. And in this, I, I use this illustration for supplement your faith. Uh, who in here likes pancakes? Just raise your hand. Yeah, you like pancakes? Pancakes are really great by themselves, right? Just a normal pancake mix. Uh, This is why we go to Dan's house for the D-Now every year, because he makes for us wonderful Dan cakes. They're wonderful. They're the best Dan cakes you're ever going to have, and I recommend everybody go and get some at some point. But pancakes are great by themselves, right? What Peter is saying is like, a pancake is a pancake without anything in it, but what makes a pancake better? For all of us, that's different things. It could be strawberries, it could be blueberries, it could be chocolate chips, it could be whipped cream, it could be a banana, it could be uh, something else people put in a pancake, I don't know. Uh, For me, I like to just have a pancake with chocolate chips in it uh, and then put some nice warmed peanut butter right on top and then I eat it kind of like a taco Um, and that's how I like to have my pancakes and it's wonderful and I recommend everybody get a Dan cake and then put peanut butter on top. This is what it means to supplement your faith. Your faith is sufficient for salvation. Faith alone, in Christ alone, is how we receive salvation, right? But it doesn't stop there. You need to add the blueberries of faith. You need to add the chocolate chips of faith, of virtue, of knowledge, the strawberries of self-control. Maybe that's why they're called the fruit of the Spirit. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Paul, writing the fruit of the Spirit, said, I'd really like to add these onto a pancake. I don't know. So, in the same way our faith is supplemented, it's improved through virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. These are the qualities that the recipients of this letter needed to be reminded of, and these are the qualities that each of us need to constantly be reminded of again and again. Are you growing in your virtue and your knowledge of God? Are you known as a person that practices self-control, who has endurance in Christ? Do people see you as one who practices godliness, brotherly affection, and love? 
Can you be defined by these qualities? What else do you need to be reminded of? What else did you know at one point and needs to be brought back to your memory? There's a wonderful Bible, 66 books, filled with verse after verse of wonderful knowledge that needs to be at the forefront of our mind. What sort of qualities and biblical truths do you need to be reminded of today or any day? I had a meeting with some friends this past Friday, some pastor friends, and while I was there, I, I asked them this question. What sort of reminders would you want to give to a local church if you could? Uh, and so some of these answers are theirs. Some of these answers are mine. If you disagree with any of the answers, let's just say it was theirs and not mine, okay? Uh, and they told me several things. First off, brush your teeth every day, twice a day, morning and, morning and evening. Uh, secondly, eat your fruits and veggies. Third, uh, go on walks if you're able to. Uh, fourth, youth and children, listen to your parents. They know what they're talking about. Uh, fifth, turn off your cell phone before you come to service. We're, we're several minutes in now, so hopefully you have. Um, and maybe turn off the cell phone that just happened to end up in your pocket before service started too. Uh, and I could confidently say this one. Uh, as a new dad, a baby's cry is one of the best sounds in the world. Yeah, thank you. Yes. It's wonderful. It's funny how, like, happy I am when I hear my son cry. Crying. I much prefer the coos and the laughs and stuff, too. But tears are wonderful. And when it's in the service, it means our church is alive and growing. And I love it. Here's some more serious ones, though. You are the body of Christ. We are the hands and feet of Christ. The whole body of Christ is more than just our church. If we're always comfortable, we might not be following Jesus like we should. The gospel is to be shared by everybody in the church, not just pastors and missionaries. The church isn't about you. The church is about God. The Bible teaches constantly about the faithfulness of God despite our unfaithfulness. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. We have more in common with believers of all skin colors across the globe than we do with unsaved co-workers and family members. The grace of God isn't something that you just receive once at the beginning of your conversion. We receive the grace every day. Every morning we receive more grace of God. Everything we do in this life, we do by faith. There's always one breath between your life and eternity. Make the most of that. That one's stolen. Alistair Begg says that one. Um, parents in the room, raising up a child that loves the Lord requires effort and intentionality at home. You have to do more than just casually bring your children to church. Your life at home must reflect this Christian attitude. If you don't care about church at home, if you don't care about Christ at home, they're not going to care about Christ either. So be intentional. Discipleship happens at home. It starts at home. We supplement it here at the church. Youth and children in the room, you're never too young to be used by God. Don't wait to serve God because you're too young and that's something you can do later on in life. Rather, pray and seek the Lord constantly in all you do 
and he will use you for his glory and his kingdom. And ultimately, one final reminder, our chief end as man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is what we've been created to do, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Were any of these things you need to be reminded of? I can't talk about, I could talk about reminders all day, and I might not hit everybody in this room on the things that they need to be reminded of. But you must seek to grow in these qualities, and you must establish yourself in them. And you establish yourself in them by seeking after the Word of God. So, what are you in danger of forgetting? You need to be reminded of what you know, and you need to be reminded of what you do. Because this knowledge is not something that ends there, like I said. It's one thing to know how to exercise. It's another thing to go and exercise. It's one thing to eat healthy, or think about what eating healthy is. It's another thing to actually put that food in your mouth and work through it. We can't just sit in the pews, receive knowledge, and do nothing with it. That's why we forget so much of what a sermon's about. That's why we forget so much of what the Bible is about, because we just sit here. And I'm guilty of this too, oftentimes. I'll just sit in the pew, I'll listen, and I don't do what the sermon is trying to teach me to do. This is why Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, verses leading into something else we also talked about in Sunday school today, said, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Basically, make everything a reminder of your calling to God and how you must be obedient to him. If the Lord is convicting you on something today, if he's drawing something to your forefront of your mind right now, don't just push it away. Let it flood your mind. Think about what God is calling you to do and put it into practice. Don't delay what God's calling you to do. Do it today. I think I say that in every sermon. Don't delay. Do it today. It's a nice pithy saying. As I was initially preparing for this sermon over the the last couple of months, I was initially going to preach the Sunday after Easter. And if you remember that far back, there were several baptisms that happened that day. Wonderful day. I'm very sad that I didn't get to be here, but I was in the hospital with a new baby, so I'll I'll take the one. Uh, But I was struck by what baptisms, what weddings, what funerals, what Sunday sermons, and what the Lord's Supper does to remind us of things. All of these serve as some form of a reminder or other. Everyone here knows what a baptism is, right? You witnessed it several weeks ago. It's an outward sign of an inward change. Baptism is the entrance into the local church, And baptism is a prerequisite for the Lord's Supper. All very Baptist beliefs here. It shows that the old you has died, has been buried with Christ, and that a new you has been raised to walk in newness of life. 
This is what baptism all symbolizes. But baptism also helps us, the congregants, the people who have already been baptized, remember that day when they were baptized. Remember that you are also the same person that was buried and risen to new life. When you watch a baptism, is that what's going through your mind? Going, that person's a new creation. I'm also a new creation. My life is vastly different than what it once was before I was baptized. Does it help you remember and refocus what you've been doing in your life? To illustrate an illustration, I was reminded of this idea several weeks back while watching uh, Star Wars. You know, some pastors, they, they have sports illustrations. Some pastors, they like to read books or like to look through history. I like, uh, I like movies, I like TV shows, and I like Star Wars. And so our illustration comes from Star Wars today. And in this episode of The Mandalorian that I was watching, I won't try to spoil it too much if you love The Mandalorian and you haven't seen this episode, but also it came out like three months ago. Get on it. But in this episode, there are two characters. There's a female character and a male character. They're both Mandalorians, okay? And uh, one character uh, has been kicked out of his group. And to, to get re-entrance into the group, he has to go basically get baptized. So I don't, let's not look at this too deeply. There's no re-baptism here. You get baptized once, but so this, this other female character, her name is Bo. Bo escorts Mando, the male character, to get baptized. And she's not really into this idea. She's pretty against the idea of him getting rebaptized, actually. She stands against the beliefs that, that Mando is up for. Uh, and, but she still helps him, because she's a good friend, I guess. And she, she gets him to this water to be baptized in. And he's saying this, this creed, this idea, much like we say a creed, an idea. Do you believe that the Son of God died for your sins? And the other questions that my memory is being too tested to remember at this time. But she, the, the Mandalorian is saying things like these. And you can see, even though this character is wearing a mask, you could see the, like, realization on her face of how important this creed is to this other character. And in fact, the rest of the show kind of dedicates how she comes back and like stands alongside the guy who got rebaptized in his faith and in his community. Much like the same thing that should happen with us. When we see someone bapti get baptized, when we hear them get asked those questions, how did you answer those questions? Do you remember when you got baptized? There was an end, remember. And are you dedicating yourself to supporting that person on their walk of faith in every way you can? Go, going quickly. We got the Lord's Supper. It speaks like Yoda right here. I'm coming down. I'm probably walking out of the camera. Uh, this do in remembrance of me. It's not how most people speak. Do this in remembrance of me. Because this shows as a reminder of what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
how Jesus went and faced death and suffered and died for you. And that's when we take communion, we talk about the body and we talk about the blood and we take it as a church, showing our communion with God and also our communion with one another. How we as a church are working together to glorify God in everything we do. Weddings, the same thing. As you go through the vows of a wedding, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, those of you who are married, this is a reminder of the things you promise to your spouse. Weddings show that. And when you go to a wedding, do you remember that? That you promise to be there for your husband or wife in everything, when times are good and when times are bad. And ultimately, it's a symbol of God and his love for his bride, the church, and how God is there for us, for better, for worse, for sickness and health, richer or poorer. God is with us for all of that. It's a vow that hasn't, cannot be broken, just like a marriage between a husband and a wife. Funerals help us mourn the loss of life, but they help us celebrate that somebody has entered into the kingdom of heaven if they were a believer. If they aren't, they help us remind ourselves of the, how short life is and how we must live for a purpose. And a Sunday sermon is what I'm doing today, reminding you constantly of these things. Remember what you do. All of this is to illustrate that it's not enough to just know something. You must also learn from Nike and just do it. Put it into action. You must prize the gospel in a new way every day. I was talking to Stephanie about my illustration about the food the other day, and she gave me a, a, a much better application point than what I had said. Uh, so you can thank Stephanie for this one. But she was talking about how we know what a healthy meal goes for, right? But you're never going to eat healthy. You're never going to exercise if you don't truly value what comes as a result of that. Do you value being healthy and fit more than you value a box of Twinkies? I know I value the box of Twinkies. But the same way, do you value the knowledge of God? Do you value the pursuit of God above all else? Again, we talked about this in Sunday school. <laughs> what are you prioritizing above God? What have you said is worth it more than God? Let's flip that around. What? Make God worth everything to you. Treasure the gospel and remind yourself constantly of what God has called you out of and called you towards. He's called you to evangelize. He's called you to make disciples. He's called you to holy living. He's called you to obedience. He's called you to seek the kingdom of God. He's called you to be humble. He's called you to defend your faith. He's called you to use your spiritual gifts for the kingdom. And he has called you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. A reminder I get every time I teach a lesson, because we have it in a beautiful 
drawing art on the wall in the youth room. That's our second essential reminder. We remember what we do. And that leads us to our final essential reminder, the quick one, we remember once we're gone. Let me go, what, that, what, what does that mean? It was the best way I could word this last point. Because in verses 14 and 15, Peter says, Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So Peter is writing these things because his death is coming soon. He's most likely imprisoned in Rome at this time. Uh, and if you don't know, Peter was crucified by Rome upside down because he found it uh, bad to be crucified in the same way as Jesus. And so he knows this is coming. I don't know if he just got his, his execution date written to him or if he's just aware that it's coming soon. But he's aware that his death is coming. And he's running out of time. And he says, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling and that my laying aside of the tent is coming soon, I'm going to be diligent to make sure you can remember all this after I'm gone. Again, same sermon. I was listening to Alistair Begg the other day. And he likened this idea to when all of us get older. We've all had parents or grandparents who get older. um, And it seems like as all of us age, we start to repeat ourselves more and more. Think about it. Think about, well, as a teacher, I feel like I repeat myself daily, constantly, minute by minute. But think about your parents or your grandparents. As they advanced in age, what sort of things did they say to you a lot? I'm sure we all have sayings that we remember our grandparents saying or our, our moms and dads, or aunts or uncles, or anybody really close to us who are starting to get old. And they just say it constantly. I had one on my mind earlier today, but of course I lost it. But I'm willing to bet that it's because they think these things are important for us to remember, whatever they may be. Maybe it's because as we near the end, they know that these things have made a profound impact on their life. And they hope that we can learn that lesson before we get as far as they did. So maybe listen to the people who have advanced in age around you. Now to make it clear, Peter is writing this sermon and he's saying, I'm going to leave you soon. And I'm not going to be around much longer to repeat these things. I just want to make it clear, this hopefully is not the final sermon I preach to you guys at this church. I'm not announcing my resignation in five minutes. I'm not dying that I'm aware of, um, although I could at any moment. But statistically, most pastors do not spend their entire life at one church. Walter could be here for the rest of his life, but maybe he won't be. I could be here for the rest of my life, but maybe I won't be. Stephen could be here for the rest of his life, but again, maybe he won't be. And so our goal as the pastors of your church is to make these things well aware to you while we have our time. We are going to leave, die, or retire one day. 
and we hope that you won't quickly forget what we have taught. And this is what Peter is focusing on. As with every other essential truth we've talked about, Peter is concerned with our desire to have an intellectual knowledge of what the Bible says and leave it there. It's not enough. We can know biblical truths, but functionally forget their implication to live them out. A vital part of our life. So that's it. The three essential truths for Christian living. The three essential reminders. So what's the big idea? We're, when I was in seminary, we learned that the conclusion is the most important part of the sermon. It's like you're playing a football game, and you've got two minutes left on the clock, and uh, then you just give up, right? And we've all seen football games like that before. Like, they just kind of give up in the last two minutes. I want to conclude this sermon well. So we're at the 10-yard line. We've got a 30 seconds left on the clock, and I want to bring it in for a touchdown. Hopefully I do. Let's see. We Christians, as followers of God, are in danger of forgetting the knowledge that Christ has provided to us. Because we don't remind ourselves day by day, hour by hour, week by week, month by month, year by year, of who Christ is and what he has done for us. God has been faithful to you, so be faithful to God. So write this down, take it to the bank. We have short memories and small minds. So remind yourself what God has called you out of and what towards. His glory. Our band is going to come up, our worship band, and they're going to lead us through a final song, which I think is titled Almost Home. Once again, a good reminder of where it's all leading to, what God has done for us.